Welcome to the latest edition of an Espresso Shot of Confidence, the podcast that explores all aspects of confidence, challenges, taboos, and unhelpful narratives, and empowers you to be awesome, loudly and proudly. I'm your host, Ashley Griffiths, and today we'll be talking about the role of women in the workplace. As of December 2021, there are over 15 million women in employment in the UK. But despite changes in legislation and the way society considers the role of women, top-level management and certain industries such as construction, mining and transportation are still dominated by males. So who better to talk to about this than Zoe Bowles, the ISO compliance expert. She is the health and safety professional, business consultant and trainer supporting companies achieve their ISO certification. As a woman and a parent in a male-dominated industry, she has many insights that she can share for not only women in the workplace, but all of us. So, hey Zoe, how you doing? Good, thank you, Ashley. It's Friday, so um, no, very well. Looking forward to the weekend. Yourself? Oh, fabulous. Friday. Awesome. So tell me about how did you get into, into the line of work you're in? Okay, so oh, do I want to tell you how long ago this all began? Um, approximately 13, 14 years ago, I started working for my local um, government authority. I worked for my local council and I was part of their management team which meant that part of my job was to support the quality management system and perform internal audit duties. And so off I was sent on a three-day BSI internal auditing course for ISO 9001. Um, Really good course, actually. Really thoroughly enjoyed myself, which I don't think I was expecting if I'm true to you. Um, I'd always been told the best part of this course was the food that the hotel that was hosting it put on um, and they weren't wrong about that it was brilliant but I actually found the subject matter really ticked all my boxes um, you know not just your audit form boxes but I was sitting there going do you know what I'm pretty good at this um, it's processes it's procedures it's quite mathematical which really suits me and you know you put your equation in at the beginning and you've got to get an output and uh, I, I found myself enjoying it more and more to the point where I actually left my job at the council um, to go into doing this full time. Awesome. Um, whether that was, you know, morally the right thing to do. Thanks for the training course. I'm going to go and make a living. But um, I, I just found that it resonated so well with my, you know, internal guru that I was like, I, I need to do this all the time. I don't want to be working in a call centre managing a team I want to be going out and supporting businesses with their processes and procedures and management systems it was brilliant oh awesome I love that the fact that just that light bulb went and you were just like that's me that's my jam it fits me down to a T and you know what a lot of people think it's really boring Ashley um, which makes me a bit worried but it it ticks so many of my boxes (laughs) I don't think I'm a boring person but do you know what? I like to think that I put a bit of fun into it and it's not about just ticking the boxes. We want that to drive your business and be at the forefront, not running along behind, wishing it caught a lift, you know? Yeah. Um, and if you use it right, it should really make a difference in your business. Oh, I love that. I love that. And your enthusiasm's coming through right there from that. And I bet that makes a real nice connection with your clients when you go and meet them. And it's like, oh God, not another bloody audit. 
I think he does. Um, I don't know whether you've ever seen one of these standards, but you open it up and you start reading through it and you think, oh my God, I should be legally trained to understand this. Yeah. They're not written in, in standard English text. But I like the fact that I can sit there and explain the detail of that to my client in standard English in a way that they understand, making it relatable to their business. And suddenly it's not boring anymore. It doesn't mm. feel quite so out of reach, which is really nice. Yep. Um, and you, you see your clients starting to let go of that anxiousness about, oh, my God, what have I let myself in for? And I think for us, it's really important that we've had that conversation firsthand. So we're not just jumping straight into, yeah, let's do it. Let's put this into your business. Yeah. The first question I always ask, actually, is why do you want to do it? Yeah. And if the answer is, I don't really know, then let's not do it. Let's not do it yet. You're not ready. You're not in that position. Um, but for us, it's really important to know that the business is in a good place before we start putting that overhead into their business. Because um, it can be quite an investment in time and in, and financially as well yeah. to begin with. Once you get the ball rolling, it becomes a lot easier. Okay. Um, but that's part of what we do is help that process to kind of just become a bit more streamlined and integral to what they're doing and not an overhead. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love that. And it's making that more personable, right? In a lot of the technical areas, there's a lot of jargon, a lot of really complex language. And and like you said, you look at it and think, I'm going to need a translator here <laughs> <laughs> or a legal Google degree. Translate doesn't do that very well either. It's, <laughs> it's not really set up for that kind of language. But I think the issue is as well, you can go onto eBay and you can buy an ISO 9001 toolkit, chuck your logo on it, and great. You're, you're posed, you know, supposed to just pass your certificate with that. However, it's a bit like when you talk to an accountant and, you know, the way that Xero and QuickBooks and all the other automated softwares out there sell themselves as being your one-stop shop. Yeah. An accountant's sitting back thinking, but it's only as good as the information you put in. Yeah. If you don't understand it, you're not going to reach your end goal. You're far yeah. more better qualified actually engaging with a professional in that area. I certainly wouldn't try and do my tax myself. That's not what I'm good at. So I would employ an accountant. Um, so do the same for your business standards and your compliance. Mm. I totally get that. In so many areas of business, you're thinking, right, I'm just going to save money because I can do it myself. But you end up just getting yourself tied up in knots, making mistakes and... So yeah, call in the professionals, ladies and gents. So I know and, and I hate doing that, but you know, do what you do best and just outsource the rest. It will Love save it. you so much time in the long run. Um, oh. And ultimately it's finding the right people that work for your business, isn't it? Totally that. I think that's certainly on my self-employed journey. That's been the biggest lesson I've learned. Just holding on to everything. And it's, there's only so many hours of the day and there's, there are things I'm better at and things that I'm not so good at. And that's okay. Outsource them. Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, absolutely is. You know, I am not a very creative person in the sense of things like social media. So I, I can really struggle with that sometimes. Um, but it's nice to have people that I know that I can bounce things off of. Mm -hmm. um, and if all else fails, you know, bring someone in to help with that. Yeah. I'm not a marketing expert um, and I don't try to be. I'd much rather find someone that I can engage with that can help in that side of the business. You know, sure. I'll stick to my processes. I'm, I'm pretty good at that. Um, but there are other areas of business that I think, no, nope, we need to bring someone in because that's going to be the best thing at the right time. 
Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Totally agree with you there. So I just wanted to read this stat out to you because I know it's an industry that, that you work within. So according to a recent government report, only 15% of jobs in the construction sector are held by women. So I know you work within the construction, sort of very male-dominated industry. So can you tell tell us about some of the challenges you've faced as a result of that? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so part of what we do is the ISO 45001, which is for health and safety. Um, we do a lot of work in construction. It is a field that is very... Um, sort of levered by the, the standards and they want to know that the people they're working with, their supply chain are doing it as they say they are. So I find myself a lot of times sort of wandering into fabrication shops, welding shops, construction sites, um, engineering warehouses, and you sort of see the same trends across the industry. Um, there's still clients that I walk into and they've got their FHM calendar on the wall with women over a mechanics workshop, you know, um, and then they apologise because I've walked into the room and um, you, you see a lot of people that sort of look at you and think, oh, you're not who I was expecting. Yeah. Um, because the industry that we work in has very typically got that image of 60 something year old man, red tie, suit and briefcase. Um, and then we rock up. And there's, I mean, there's no red ties here in sight, to be honest with you. So people are, first of all, just taken aback that we are women walking into that industry. I think things have moved on. There are more women in construction than there ever used to be. But I think one of the problems is that when you start in construction, a lot of people start on the ground. They okay. start by doing the laboring, then they work their way up, become site managers, project managers. That doesn't really happen for women. They tend to go in from a different angle. And I don't know if that always helps. Okay. I think when you see women on a construction site, you always stand out because yeah. there's not many of you there. Um, I was on a construction site a couple of weeks ago, actually, and I was really pleased that of probably the 15, 20 people on the building site, five of them were women. Oh, awesome. And it was brilliant to see. And I was quite shocked, um, not only to see four other women on this construction site, but the facilities were there to back it up. And that makes a huge difference, Ashley. So there is two female-only toilets on oh, this okay. construction site. You feel more at home. You feel sure. like actually you've been provided for. And I think that's what puts a lot of women off going into some of these areas. Not only are they very male-dominated, they're very set up for men in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, and it is. It's things like that. I shared a post a little while ago about... Um, a construction site on a school premises. Okay. And on the scaffolding, they've put some signage up and it said men working overhead. Uh, now, okay. the sixth form um, level in the school, some of the girls in that sixth form had gone to their head teacher and said, this is really inappropriate mm. because it shouldn't say men working overhead. Yeah. And there's been gender neutral signage for many, many years. So it's quite sad to see that this particular contractor was still very old school in their approach, especially in an environment where you've got, you know, late teens, young adults, maybe looking at their next steps. If you had a, a sixth form female looking at that sign, maybe they want to go in and study engineering or mm. construction, 
quantity surveying at a very impressionable age, that's going to put you off. Oh, sure. And I think it's really important that people can identify with industries before they can see themselves working in those industries. Yeah. Um, and there's still so much practice out there that just puts women off going into those industries. And I think there's a lot of work to be done to make them more accessible. Yeah, I get that. I mean, just that sign alone, it's basically saying, go away. You know, yeah. yeah, I can see how that would repulse people from thinking that's a career for me. You know, that just that simple sign has such a strong, powerful message and image with it. So, yeah, there's a lot, lot of things that still need to change, right? And it's, you, said, you know, it's having your eyes open and noticing that they're in the first place. Sure. And I think it is the men in the industry that need to make those changes okay. um, to allow women to feel more settled in some of those environments, especially young um, adults who might be going to do things like apprenticeships. Okay. You know, they're not going to have the confidence of someone who's had a 20-year career. They're sure. going to want to please their potential employers. And they may not raise issues in the workplace the same way. And I think that's kind of where it all starts. But what was really sad to see, Ashley, is all these men working in construction that had a problem with the post about the sign. Saying, oh, what's your issue? You know, men is just a collective term for humans. And all these attitudes that you sit back and you think, actually, I had to repost it with some of these comments saying, this is the issue within the industry. You know, all these comments from men in construction saying that there was no issue with this sign. Yeah. That's the reason why you're going to end up with a massive skills gap, because more women don't want to enter an industry where these types of attitudes are still very prominent. And this was just one post with a couple of hundred comments on it from men saying there was nothing wrong with it. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, that just, it, it, well, education springs to mind, awareness. And I think it's just general ignorance, isn't it? I think sometimes it, for some people that they, they often, they'll see that and maybe they'll just see it as an attack. They'll think, what, we, we didn't do anything wrong. Everything's great here. We, you know, sign up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And <clears throat> There's still, I think, a lot of misunderstandings and uh, room for much more awareness on this. Um, and yeah, I think, like you said, while that's still happening, the result of that is going to be a skills gap and people reluctant to move into these industries where where we need people. Absolutely. I mean, during the pandemic, construction was one of the only industries that didn't stop. Yeah. So you've obviously got a very strong industry there that is, you know, robust. It kept going through probably one of these countries' most difficult times um, over the last, what, 50 years. But at the same time, there's a whole host of people out there, you know, women sitting looking at potential industries going, that's probably not for me Mm. because of all the the discussion around women in construction that's still happening. And like I say, there is a lot of good improvements going on. But unfortunately, that's only when you're getting to some of these top construction workers and, and firms that you're seeing those differences. It's yet to make its way down to contractors working on your local school. Yeah, I think just having conversations by this, and I think like certainly I've, I've noticed on your social media, just raising awareness, like letting people know, like this is where we're at, this is where we need to go. We're still you know, here, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that, you know. There's so many benefits of of having 
a, a diverse engaged creative workforce like yeah. why are we trying to create a closed boy shop effectively because that's what that message is saying this is a boys only zone this is a men only zone yeah okay i think it really stems from childhood as well so i've got a little girl and i've got a little boy and i will go gift shopping either for their birthdays or their friends birthdays and there is still very much this distinctive what is a girl's toy and what is a boy's toy. And if I wanted to go and buy my daughter a construction toy, the packaging has got pictures of boys playing yeah. with this toy. And um, it wasn't that long ago that I was looking at a very, very well-known provider of children's toys, scrolling through their website, and there was a filter for girls. Yeah. And when you clicked that, what came up was Forever Friends branding and lots of nice pinks and purples. And yeah. It's still very heavily um, biased at that age, yeah. what you should be doing because you're a girl and what you should be doing because you're a boy. And I think times have changed, haven't they? You know, Massively. People can be who they want to be, but you still get told what you can and shouldn't be playing with. And all you're doing is influencing three, five, seven-year-olds as to what their role in life should be. Um, we've got some family members who would get quite shocked when my little boy will put on his sister's dress-up costumes <laughs> and he'll open the door of the toy room and be like, ta-da, <laughs> dressed in Belle from Beauty and the Beast's costume. Fair play. <laughs> and some of the relatives in the room get quite upset about that because he shouldn't be wearing a dress. Yeah. He can wear what he wants to wear. He's five years old. Um, or they'll get offended if he comes out pushing a buggy with a baby in it. Yeah. But actually, to me, that's teaching him that he can nurture and he can look after the children. You know, he doesn't have to be from the 1960s, go out and be the breadwinner. You yes. know, I but I think it is important that that is taught at a very young age that you can do what you want to do. You can be who you want to be. Yeah. Um, because that's what's going to make those changes and they'll grow up. Yeah knowing that, all right, I don't see many women in that industry or vice versa. I don't see very many in that industry. Um, but maybe I can be the one that makes a bit of a change there. Yeah. I love that. It, it all starts, doesn't it? From that early, early age. I read a book about this where it was talking from an early age, there's messages out there saying that this is what boys do. This is what girls do. And it's kind of accentuating those traditional masculine feminine traits yeah. that, that, like you said, were very true in the 60s, but they're not truly a reflection of where we are or where we're going. I wouldn't say where we are yeah. because there's still a lot of work to do, but it is a reflection of where we're going. You know, obviously, if you look at societal changes, like, like you said, there's... You know, women are in roles that they weren't in in the past. In a lot of families now, the men aren't the breadwinner and the woman is. Um, and there's a lot of changes throughout society. But still, those messages, like for, with the toys on the construction site, are still creating, this is what women should be. This is where they yeah. should be. And this is a boys only zone. Yeah, I mean, to, about two years ago, I bought all new site PPE. So I had a new hard hat, new boots, new high vis. Um, it's a good thing to refresh that every now and again. So I brought my box of PPE and I laid it out on the carpet so that I could sort it out, get rid of the old, in with the new. 
And of my two children, it was my daughter that came over and tried it all on. You know, mm -hmm. it was her that wanted to be like mummy and put that on and pretend that she was going to go around and inspect a building site. My son had absolutely no interest whatsoever. <laughs> um, and I just sat back and I was like, I actually took a photo and it, it became quite a big thing on my LinkedIn because she identified with that, not my son. Mm -hmm. And yet what we're seeing in the construction industry is still that lack of women yeah. when actually my five, six year old, as she would have been at the time, was the first one to jump on it and say, I want to wear the hard hat. I want to try on the hybrid jacket and the goggles. Um, and no one's told her to do that. That was just her gut reaction. Sure. Um, whereas my son had no interest, none whatsoever. Yeah, I love that. We all have things that we like. And I think, you know, again, from a young age, if we're encouraging that instead of making it so like, well, you have to be this and you have to fit in this box. It's like, explore, see where you go with it. I love that. Absolutely. That oh, awesome. As someone who's already in the industry, what advice would you give to women thinking of pursuing careers in industries that have been traditionally the male's domain i think you know you do have to have quite a thick skin and that is unfortunate but it is still quite true um you'll get spoken to differently to your male counterpart standing next to you and um, actually even down to the handshake i went to a business construction expo last week it was absolutely fantastic really good event I took my husband because he does um, work in fire risk assessments okay. um, and fire awareness training. I'd watch people shake his hand properly. And then I would kind of get this sort of limp counterpart. Um, and it, you know, I probably wouldn't have noticed it if he wasn't there with me, but you do still have this tenderness about you because you're a woman. Uh -huh. um, Things such as there was a lot of activities there. Uh, for example, there was a big digger uh, simulator where you would have to take soil from this side to this side and fill skip. My husband was obviously offered that opportunity first. And I think it's just being aware if you're going to go into that industry, don't take it to heart. Um, it's not you. Unfortunately, it would appear to be your gender. But do you know what? Persevere. Because okay. where I go on a regular basis, I don't get the same experience that I did when I first started going there. Okay. And I think there is, it's more a case that you just have to keep persevering because you need to prove your salt mm -hmm. in a way that a man wouldn't. Okay. And when you first start working with some clients, unfortunately, as you, as you rightly pointed out at the beginning, a lot of the people that we work with when we do the management systems is the top management team. Um, Across all my clients, I could probably count on one hand how many women sit around those tables. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the people that we are dealing with are typically men in those positions. And I think it just takes a couple of visits, a couple of sessions to break down those barriers. Um, so I think, unfortunately, you do still have to have a bit of a thick skin, but don't give up. Okay. Because when you work with clients on a regular basis, that does become a non-issue. It's just a shame that it has to be there at the outset. <laughs> Get that. Yeah. Was still in that period of change, right? So, and there was one thing I saw, you know, as I was preparing for this uh, chat today on your LinkedIn content, like you raise awareness 
of, of challenges that you face that uh, other women that you're aware of face within your industry. And I think it's really important for work that you're doing, raising that awareness, because obviously having these conversations, we can start thinking, oh yeah, maybe, maybe I'm guilty of that or have been or, or whatever it is. Now, one thing that jumped out to me, a, a post of yours that you posted, I think earlier on this week or last week was about some of the challenges and it was mansplaining and to be honest with you up until recently till i was on on linkedin i'd never even heard of this concept i didn't even know it was a thing and that was a fundamental part of your post the fact that you think a lot of men are just completely unaware of of the fact that they're doing it so for any guys listening out there <laughs> what are the signs of this and, and how can we stop it? So do you know what? You hit the nail on the head there when you said, I don't think men realise they do it, especially in circumstances. So I've got a client. Um, I went to see them about six months ago for the first time and I walked in and they, the first thing they said to me was, I'm really sorry, this is very much a man's world. <sighs> um, okay. I get comments like that quite frequently, so I'm, I'm not an easily offended person. However, it became very quickly obvious that it was a man's world because they didn't really know how to talk to a woman. Um, but then there was no women working there. I was probably the first and only woman they'd seen in six months, maybe apart from the postman. Um, <laughs> and it's really obvious that actually it's not that they intend to mansplain, they just don't know how to talk to a woman. And the simple fact of it is don't talk to a woman any different to you talk to a man. We're not different um, in that respect. You don't need to over egg it when you're explaining what a laser cutter does. I'm a business consultant working in, you know, construction, fabrication, machinery all the time. I've seen CAD drawings. I've seen a laser cutter before. <laughs> Um, but people make that immediate assumption that you don't know what that machine does because you're a woman. Um, and I think that is probably where mansplaining is so obvious in our industry, um, especially because so we will attend somebody's external audit with them so that they don't have to deal with the auditor on their own. Takes away a little bit of that audit nerve because they don't have to worry about the terminology or the clauses. That's what we're there for with that translation mm -hmm. service. But my certification auditor is usually man because <laughs> there's not very many women who do the certification audits either. Um, and as we're doing the tour around, you can see the differences in the way that they'll speak to the male auditor to the way they'll speak to me. Um, so maybe you'll get someone explaining something to our external auditor and then they'll sort of turn around and add that extra bit of value in case I wasn't quite on the same page. Wow. Um, and I think, do you know what? People don't mean to do it. They think they're being helpful. And I don't think they realize that actually in some situations it can be really quite patronizing, especially in those situations where I think if I had balls, not boobs, uh -huh. you probably would have stopped talking about five minutes ago. Yeah. Um, or you probably wouldn't have mentioned it at all. <laughs> wow. And, uh, you know, it, there is a bit of humour there, and I put this on my post, actually. There is an element of comedy in all of this. Mm -hmm. But actually, day in, day out, it gets a bit exhausting. Okay. Um, and going back to that point, you really do just have to have slopey shoulders and 
and a very thick skin to continue to go in day out, day in, day out and deal with that. Oh, I bet. I bet it's exhausting. Um, and, and just as you were talking, I mean, my reaction to something like that, if I was on the receiving end of that was like, why the hell do you think I'm here? Uh, am I, am I, am I here on day release? I've got an order to in my, I've been, <laughs> what does that tell you? <laughs> Especially because I think we're quite well known that we work a lot in construction, fabrication and, and engineering. And I think you've picked us as your consultant for that reason. Um, but at the same time, my husband has had messages on LinkedIn because people have assumed that he's the director of Agar Bowls, oh, not me. And, and he has that awkward moment where he has to turn around and go, actually, you need to speak to my wife. <laughs> Um, and you can see that mutual embarrassment then between my husband and the person that he's speaking to yeah. because they're like, oh. And the first conversation then between myself and that person is always that little bit awkward. And they get a bit apologetic when actually don't make the assumption in the first place that the mm. person running this company or people that are running this company aren't two women. <laughs> wow. Yeah, every day is a school day for those people right now. And this is great because I think, you, you know, this is going to really start start conversation, changing the way people think. I think this is super, super powerful. Um, so awesome stuff. Long may it continue. So I'm going to use a nice little metaphor here. So I know that you're someone that's used to wearing many hats in your life. So when you're not wearing your hard hat at work, you've got your parent and partner hats on as well. So how, how do you find time to do all of that? Organization actually. And, and there's one hat, I think, um, I've, I'm also a director in a community interest company called community driving school. Um, so I've sort of got another hat in, in that respect. Um, and it's a real juggling hat. Don't get me wrong. I'm lucky in that what I do, I could go out and do a client visit during the day, but if I'm still writing up that report at nine, 10 in the evening, it doesn't impact on anybody else apart from me. Sure. Um, so actually my job works really well around being able to juggle the kids, you know, being a, a partner, being a business person, um, and being able to satisfy all those demands on my time. Um, I've got two very active children. I think it's only two out of seven days they're not involved in extracurricular activities. Um, but I can do things like respond to emails while sitting on the side of a swimming pool because my kids are having their swimming lessons. Um, or between the, the drop-off at Squirrels, which is a new part of the Scouts, and the drop-off at Brownies, you know, I can take phone calls on the go, which is quite benefit. But, you know, it's really about being prepared um, okay. because without organization, I, it would all fall apart for me. I have to be able to plan months in advance. Um, and I was saying to you earlier that I'm due a, an operation at some point this year. Yeah. And, um, it's really playing on the back of my mind actually about the fact that that's going to be sprung on me. And I, I don't work well with that. I need to be okay. able to plan my audits, plan my client expectations, um, things with the kids. It's, it's never ending. So being able to be prepared and not have that little spanner thrown in as much as that's going to be a welcome spanner at the time. Um, I suppose for me, I'm sitting on the edge like, I know it's coming, 
Mm-hmm. I know it's coming. I just really need that date to land in my inbox. And sure. um, because in my life, preparation is really key and making sure that I know who's picking the kids up, whether it's me or my husband. We share a Google um, diary for that reason to make sure that we're all in the right place at the right time. But I mean, going back before my kids were born, my husband always said that I would run our lives on a spreadsheet. <laughs> He's not quite that bad, but we're not far off. Um, but it's a necessity in our lives. And my husband's a shift worker in the fire brigade. So, you know, his uh, shifts are very reliable, but what's not reliable is his finishing time. He's not in an industry where he can go, oh, it's half nine in the morning. Let's go. Let's down tools. Sure. You know, they're there till the job's finish. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that means a late finish and, and that's unpredictable. So for me, doing what I do is really important that I can be there for the kids when I need to be um, and have that, that ability to arrange my work around everything else that I do. Sure. Um, and so long as everybody's getting what they need, that's the important part of the time. And I think for me, Monday to Friday has just gone out the window. Days don't really have names anymore. <laughs> um, it's either working time or non-working time. Um, my daughter dances for two hours on a Saturday morning, and I can quite often be found in Costa with the laptop doing some prep for the week ahead or, you know, tidying up some bits from the week just gone because it's two hours of my time tucked away nicely in a little coffee shop that's dedicated and undisturbed. It's quite nice. <laughs> oh, what I'm hearing there is about making it work for you. I think that's the overriding theme I'm getting from that. And I think this might lead nicely to another point where, you know, as I was researching for this episode, I found like literally thousands. I I didn't read them all, but I could tell that there were thousands of articles on this about the impact of having a career and being a parent. And for some people, it was an either-or decision. Yeah. Um, a lot of people held back, especially for women. A lot of women would hold back on having the kids because they thought it would impact on their careers. Yeah. You've obviously found a way. You've made it work for you. What's your take on on this area about the balancing parenthood with careers? <laughs> it's open conversation. Um, I think back to some of the interviews that I've had in the past when I've been going for a job role. And from the age of about 23, 24, I was always asked in this really nice open conversational way, oh, have you got kids? And I just sit back, I think, if I was a man, would you even be asking? Mm. Probably not. No. Um, in my last interview um, for the role before I worked for myself, um, I was asked if I intended to have any more children. And again, I just sat back and I thought, you know what? If I was a man, you wouldn't be asking. Um, and I think it really puts women off doing both, having kids and a career, because there still does appear to be quite a lot of judgment out there about whether you're going to have to go off and pick up a child who's sick. Um, I mean, let's face it, no one wants their child to be sick. So it's not like you planned it for an afternoon off work. That's not the thought process there. It's it's something that's happened that you just have to respond to. Yeah. Um, but I think there is that element of judgment around having children. Mm-hmm. Um, during the pandemic, I did a lot of calls from home 
um, we weren't going out to client sites because I suppose on one hand, we would be like the super spreaders, you know, we're seeing one company on a Monday, different company on a Tuesday, but it's sure. Friday, I could have seen two to 400 people oh, um, wow. and spread whatever to whoever yeah. if we were going out on site. So we didn't, it was irresponsible to do so. So we worked from home. It worked most of the time, but my clients had to accept that my children couldn't go to school. Mm-hmm. So they were here as well. So it might have been a bit noisier than normal. They might have appeared to ask me for their 15th snack by 9.30 in the morning. Yeah. Um, but that's just life. Sure. You know, I am a person with children, the same as you might be a man with children or the person I'm speaking to might have children. It's a part of who we are. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that has been quite nice coming out of the pandemic is you no longer have to be two people. It's now more acceptable to be yourself with a family and a person who is in work having a career. I'm now very open with my clients. That day I'll have to do the school run, so I won't be with you till about 9.30, traffic dependent. Previously, it would have been met with a bit of, oh, well, we start at 8.30. Like they're missing out on an hour of my time that they're paying for. But now it's actually a lot more, oh, yeah, that's cool because I won't be here till about 9.30 because I'm also going to do my kids' drop-off okay. because it's become more acceptable. Yeah. Um, and I think people are starting to realise that people are just people, yeah. not two personas, whether, you're, you know, whether you've got the work hat on or the personal hat on. You don't have to segregate that as much as you used to. And I think that is one of the nice things that come out of the pandemic. Um, yeah. As horrible a time as it was, but actually there's a, a lot more acceptance out there. There is still a way to go. I think there is still a lot of judgment on people who have to down tools to go and pick up the sick child or requesting time off because it's the nativity show next month. But, you know, on the whole, if you're open with those conversations, I think people are more open to being open with you. Sure. Um, and it's all about being upfront and honest. Yeah. And, the only way that people will change in business is by having those open, honest conversations. Absolutely. At the end of the day, the chances are your workforce are going to have children. Yeah. Um, If not now, at some point in their time with you. And I think if you are the kind of employer that's accepting and embracing of that, you're going to keep your staff. And that's more valuable than, than anything else. In my opinion, if you've got long serving staff and yeah, all right two, three times a year, they might have those little life hiccups. But that is life. And I think that is now acceptable. And it's so true what you're saying. If you work for an employer there, that is understanding, offers flexibility, you're more likely to hang around, you know, and stay there as opposed to you're working for a company that makes a drama every time, you know, your kid gets sick. I mean, Straight away, who are you going to choose? You get all the company. I mean, it's you're yeah, going to be like, absolutely. bye. I mean, I, I didn't wake up this morning and want my child to vomit on the playground. Yeah, just so I could go and pick them up. Just stuff that happens through the through the days. And I think, aside from being parents, flexibility is quite important now with the cost of living increase. Sure, there are some people who want to be at home because it will save them on things like petrol or diesel getting to and from the office. There's other people who are going to want to go into the office because then they don't have to heat their homes. 
yes. to work from home. You know, actually, I think flexibility should mean more than just yeah. flexible working arrangements because of children. Yeah. I think everyone's an individual. Everyone has needs, whether those needs are to do with children, to do with pets, to do with any other responsibilities they have in their life. Why don't we just have flexible working conversations because we're all individuals? Um, mm. And I think if you're a company that can make that work, you're going to see far more loyalty and productivity out of your workers because they know they can have those conversations with you yeah. if something goes a bit pear-shaped in their lives. I think that's awesome. And I mean, that's one of the things, certainly the pandemic has shown the traditional way. You know, I know some industries, you, you, you kind of physically <laughs> you need to be there, but it's shown that flexibility is, is so important. Like the example you gave, you know, when, when you'd be doing a Zoom call, your kid comes in, you know, that was just becoming a norm. And like before the pandemic, that had probably been a bit of a faux pas or seen as one. Like, what? No, no, this is business. You don't, you, how, you what don't do you mean you have a life room. outside of this room? <laughs> <laughs> Whereas then, you know, it just, you know, it became so much more acceptable and, and so much more, I wouldn't say accept, more understanding. I think more understanding as a result of that. I think it's absolutely it started some newer conversations. It was really nice going back to some of those clients face to face. And actually sure. some of the first conversations they say to me was, well, how's the kids? Because they'd met them on the video call the month before. Yeah. Um, and I think that was quite nice because it, it got rid of that professional barrier. Yeah. And we became two human beings. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't still be professional in those situations, but you are still a human being. And I think it helps you to build rapport, you know. Um, you people are more accepting of sharing a bit of themselves with you than they were before. And I think that's nice. Awesome. Awesome. So one last question I'd like to ask is just for potentially women that maybe are in a position where they're thinking, do I choose the career? Do I have a family? Can I have both? You know, as someone who is living and breathing that right now, you know, what advice would you give, give to them? You absolutely can have both. You know, why should you have to make a choice about whether you do or do not have children just because of your setup at work? Um, at the end of the day, I think those kind of life decisions could end up being people's biggest regrets if they made the wrong decision sure. for the sake of, a job that they happen to be working at that time. At the end of the day, you'll probably be working somewhere new in five years time and regret not having done what you wanted to do. I think, you know, you can absolutely have both. And I don't think that you should ever have to make that decision between a career or kids. You know, it's either can be fulfilling, but having both can be just as fulfilling in, in different ways. And I think you learn so much becoming a parent um, I think parental skills should definitely be on CVs. Um, sure. Negotiation is huge when you have children. <laughs> um, I never knew that giving someone a red bowl rather than a blue bowl could be the end of the world until <laughs> I had kids. Um, that, that's like real life stories there. Um, conflict management. I have two children who both want to watch the TV, but they don't want to watch the same thing. Um, if we haven't had an argument between them by eight o'clock in the morning, you know, it's a really good day. Um, 
that those skills, negotiation, conflict management, time management, sure. as I said earlier, my kids have really uh, busy lives outside of school. So all of those skills that I've probably enhanced as a result of being a mother, um, and the same would be as if, if you were a father as well, you know, you learn so much more. Sure. Those are so transferable to the workplace. Yeah. And I think I've learned in my business to prioritize better and make okay. use of every little part of time rather than, I don't know, before I had kids, I probably would have sat there and thought, oh, you know, it's 15 minutes. I'm not going to get anything done in 15 minutes. <laughs> now, I mean, I could probably do what previously would have taken me 50 minutes in 15 mm -hmm. minutes um, purely because of enhancing those skills through having children. I think you become really efficient as well because you know that time is of the essence. Um, a lot of the time when you have children and they don't have the patience like some adults do and everything has to be done now, not in five yeah. minutes. Um, yep. Particularly more challenging when your kids can't tell the time. <laughs> um, you get that 20 second reminder, mom, you said you'd do it. Yeah, in a minute. They don't understand what a minute is. They've got of no course, context no, around that. Yeah. Um, but no, definitely do both. Um, do what you think you need in your life because you only live it once. Oh, awesome. Awesome. I love that. And I love the fact that you say, and it's something I always, when I was a teacher, I said about to my students, what I do now, the work I'm doing, when people even say to me, oh, I haven't got any skills. I haven't got any of that. Okay. All right. Let's think about situation and what skills do you use in that situation and how can you transfer them out? And I love the examples there where you, where you talked about how your career you know, you had skills that you could apply to parenthood and vice versa into your work world. I think that's so, yeah, that, that yeah awesome and, message. And I love agree, that. Actually. I think there's, you know, there's elements of manipulation in both as much as we don't always admit to that. And <laughs> um, it's giving, um, giving my kids the choice yep. of something empowers them. Yes. And they feel like they're in control. But yep. when the decision is, you know, I said this before, a red coat or a blue coat, yeah. They've got a choice, but my important factor is that out of the back of that, they're wearing a coat. Yes. Um, and it's learning how best to approach a situation that's going to get the end result. Um, I think, you, you know, those skills are ever enhanced by working with young people <laughs> sure. or having kids of your own. You know, you learn how to get the right outcome. And sometimes you need that in business as well, whether we like to admit it. Um, you do need to sometimes engineer an outcome yes. um, in yeah. business. And that's really important to know how to do that without upsetting yeah. everyone around you because so many people approach it like a bull in a time shop. Yes. Yeah. That, that subtlety. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, or lack of subtlety well, yes. in some places. I mean, we've all probably been there in our previous, you know, careers and, and work yeah. lives. But we can probably all sit back and think of a situation. We go, if only they'd done that differently. Oh, I can think of about 20 off the top of my head. Uh, well, you can, see a, you can see a situation unraveling in front of you and you think, I'm just going to get the popcorn out because I know where this is going. And and part of you, just that little part of you is thinking, should I intervene and help? And then the yeah. devil on your shoulders going, no, just watch. Leave it. Just watch. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see where it goes. Awesome, awesome, that awesome. Is well, that old um, saying, isn't it, about pick your battles? It, always. I've always lived and died by that for sure. <laughs> it's like I pick my battles. I don't have the energy to dive in all the time. 
<laughs> so it just you do what you need to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. So I always ask this last question to everyone who comes on the uh, show. And um, I think you've already kind of answered it with the last bit, but let's see what you come up with. So for our listeners, what is your espresso shot of confidence? Absolutely calling the expert, Ashley. You know, don't waste time doing stuff for three weeks and get nowhere. You don't sit back and do your own tax returns when you can call in an accountant. Don't do the same with your compliance. Give it to someone who knows how not to turn your business upside down and achieve the same outcome. Even if that's just an initial conversation, speak to someone in the know. We all need to do it in life. Wholeheartedly, I am going to echo that sentiment a million percent. (laughs) (laughs) definitely well thank you so much for stopping by i feel like i've learned so much today so thank you so much for sharing and being so candid about it all absolutely actually i think as as you said earlier having the conversations is what makes the difference and i think the danger with these conversations is people feel like you're always man bashing and and Mm. that's not the case it absolutely isn't but i think it's having those awareness conversations Even if it invokes the tiniest little behavioral changes where someone no longer uses phrases like a man's world, um, Mm. it makes a much more welcoming and an open environment for everyone to work with. So it is important. And I don't think you should be afraid of upsetting people just by having those conversations. There's always going to be someone who has a different opinion to you. That is just the way the life goes. Absolutely. And I think it's those small incremental changes that will make a huge difference. Absolutely. So thank you again, once again, for stopping by. And thank you to the listeners, wherever you are in the universe, for stopping by this afternoon, evening, or whatever time of the day it is in your part of the universe. That's it for this episode. To get notifications of when the next episode drops, wherever you are, please subscribe wherever you're listening or watching this. And all that is left to say is have a great day, week, life, afterlife. And as always, don't forget to be awesome.